Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. October, November is that time where we, we you, you, start, you begin to start looking forward to the end of the year. You want to get to the new year, kind of hit that holiday, hit that reboot, spend that time away, refresh and uh, renew. And uh, we, we went away, I'm sure many of you did. And um, it, is, it's, it is a good time to, 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 to kind of set some new rhythms and new, new purpose. This is a photo uh, at the end of our, our holiday time. We're there on the beach and, um, you know, everything looks wonderful. You know, we get these photos, don't we? You, you probably are sick of seeing these kind of photos all over social media. And uh, bless you if you're one of those people who does that. But uh, when I see them, uh, they kind of just begin to irritate me. Um, so we won't keep this up too long, but everything kind of looks perfect, doesn't it? We're relaxed, it's on the beach, the setting is good. There's probably some kind of filter on there just to enhance everything. And, and, and this is kind of the picture about what, you know, life is supposed to be like, right? It's kind of like as we present on social media, you know, culture, society tells us this is what you should be aiming for. Life is all about just enjoying, reaching happiness. Everything just should be like this. And we see this across our social media. We see this when it's presented to us, advertised to us. This is the life that we should be pursuing. It's also, we see this, you know, kind of like sometimes in church as well. You know, it's not just social media, but it's kind of like our super spiritual kind of understanding being that life should just be perfect. You know, it's kind of like follow Jesus, become a Christian and everything will be happily ever after. You ever heard that kind of language and that kind of messaging? We can't believe that. We ever fall into that. We kind of take on what the world tells us. We impute into our spiritual lives and we believe that that is what life is all about. But the thing is, is that we know, you know, that life is very rarely like that beach shot all the time. Because just a couple of days after that photo was taken, we drive home and we arrive to 15 loads of laundry, the lawn up to our knees and a whole bunch of work to be done. And it doesn't take too long in the midst of all the things that need to get done where we're just starting to irritate one another. We're not happy, smiling, circum family anymore. The kids are not happy that they're not on holidays. They're tired. They begin to bicker and wind each other up, which annoys Megan and I. And then we start going at each other. That is more the reality of life. The reality is, is that we do experience these times and these seasons where actually life isn't perfect. In fact, much of our time, much of our life, we experience wilderness moments, wilderness experiences, hard times. The reality is life has its challenges, challenges that are actually built into our life to grow us. 
And I've been sitting in this, and this is going to be a little bit of a, an addendum to a, a series that we did last year. And because I'm really slow to learn, this has been ministering to me again. When we looked at, at Joseph, you know, we looked at the life of Joseph and the ups and the downs. There was, there was something that I've been sitting in and I've continued to work. As we look at the Psalms this morning, we're going through the Psalms over January. Well, not all the Psalms, we're just picking some Psalms. But there are so many Psalms that are written that speak about difficult seasons and hard times. And here's the thing I want us to grab hold of this morning is these hard times, these wilderness moments are vital. The hard moments, not just the wonderful moments, but the, the hard moments are vital for us if we are to grow in depth, if we are to be formed in the way of God. You know, many of the Psalms that were written were written by a guy called David. And you would have thought David being the pinup guy, he, he was kind of like the king, the atypical king of Israel. Everyone looked at him and he, he should have had the perfect life. But the reality is, is that David had a whole bunch of wilderness moments. Wilderness moments in his physical life. He literally spent years out in the desert. He spent wilderness moments in his emotional and psychological space. He lost friends. He had uh, family disruptions, brokenness, relational wilderness. He had a, a brokenness in his relationship with his son Absalom who rebelled against him. And he went through spiritual wildernesses as well. We know the story. If anything you know about David, committed some horrific crimes, adultery, murder, had times where he spent seasons broken relationship with God. Yet in these wilderness moments, God formed something deep in David. And we're going to look at a psalm this morning, which is an atypical psalm. It's actually not a, a well-known psalm, but it speaks, I think, to this journey. And we learn something from David as he writes this song to God. It's a, a song in the wilderness. It's a song of desperations. It's a song of hard times. I, I find that lots of songs often come from that place, don't they? As David writes from his turmoil, he kind of, turmoil, wilderness, hard times do tend to be kind of like the engine room for songwriting. That's why I think so, there are so many great songwriters that come from the UK. You know, because they're just, they're, they're depressed the whole time. I mean, the weather is horrific. They spend most of their time inside. There's no sun. They're just, a, they're, they're a dour group of people. Uh, I apologise if you are from England here this morning. I spent 10 years, so I feel like i there, so I feel like I can have a go. They, they have some good songwriters. In fact, and in terms of music, there is a whole genre that is dedicated to the wilderness experience. It's called the blues. There's a whole genre. Yeah, I'm just going to sing another song about how my life is terrible. I'm going to sing the blues. Here is a song of the blues from David this morning. Psalm chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open it up? We're going to learn some things from David this morning. I trust your heart is ready and open for God to encourage you this morning and to equip you this morning for the seasons of life that we all walk. Psalm chapter four, David writes with stringed instruments, 
It was the guitar. David, David played the guitar. It was the best instrument. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin when you are on your bed. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Theologian Walter Brueggemann uh, has a way of breaking down the Psalms in a really, I think, helpful way. He says there are Psalms of orientation. These are Psalms that just speak of who God is. Praise the Lord, the trees clap their hands. Creation speaks and shouts aloud for all that God is. We see those Psalms within the, the 150 Psalms. They are Psalms and songs of orientation. Brueggemann then says there are songs of disorientation. Where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? Why am I walking through this? Psalm 4 is a song of disorientation. And then you have psalm songs of reorientation. The Lord has been faithful to me. Psalm 23, God has walked with me. I rejoice in the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Brueggemann says that these, you, you see these throughout the psalms, psalms of orientation, disorientation and reorientation. This is a psalm, as I said, Psalm 4 is a psalm of disorientation. Some theologians say that it's actually an attachment or it's the next one that follows Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is a psalm where David is pouring out his heart because he has been rejected by his son Absalom. Maybe you know the story of Absalom. He was a, a good-looking rooster, long hair, very popular with the people. David was getting old. There was this sense that Absalom could be the next king and Absalom rises up against David. David finds himself literally in the wilderness escaping, fearing for his life. He writes this psalm in disorientation. Psalm 4, some say, is the next part of that song. David is walking through a difficult moment. And we see in verse 1 that this is what sets up the rest of the psalm. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Anyone prayed that prayer before? Anyone found themselves going, God, where are you? Ever found yourself going, I am completely lost, God, and I feel like you are silent? Anyone felt like that before? I want to say from the very outset that you are allowed to pray those prayers. I reckon a lot of times we grow up and we think that we've got to have faith the whole time. Step up a lip, kind of just keep walking through. We shouldn't have any doubts. We shouldn't question God. 
I think a lot of people have lost their faith because they didn't feel like they could come to God and say, God, where are you? Why are you silent? We see here in this psalm that this is the starting point for David. David cries out and says, God, where are you? You are silent. We're invited and we will. It's the earthiness of the Psalms that speaks to real life experience. We all feel it. We all experience these moments of wilderness, these moments of disorientation. David cries out, I'm walking through a hard time. God, where are you? But it's David's response that I want to just look at as he continues to pour out his heart in this song that I think we can learn some things. Firstly, we learn that discomfort leads to a decision. And secondly, pressure leads us to presence. Discomfort leads us to decision and pressure leads us to presence. And I'm gonna unpack that over just the next few moments. Firstly, we see that discomfort leads us to decision. When we, when we walk through these hard times, we're confronted, we have to make a decision. How will I respond in these moments of wilderness? Do you find this? When you come up against something difficult, you have to make a decision. I remember when I was a, a, a young guy, I was 22 years old, I'd had a graduate role with Castrol Oil. And I got out of uni, and maybe, maybe I've shared this story before. And I was working as a sales administrator in sales and marketing. I'd studied business. And I was young, young in quite an old school organisation. I mean, people that were working there for 40 years, which just blew my mind. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how could you work in one place for 40? That's amazing. And I'm this young guy just trying to figure his way out. And then I remember at the age of 22, I was offered a, a promotion to become a sales uh, manager. In, in a really te technical area. I had most, most of the guys who worked in the area were engineers. If you know anything about me, I'm not, I do not have the brain of an engineer. But somehow the, the management said, Andrew, you, we, we think you can do this job. And, and, and I remember being offered the job and I was freaking out. I remember on a Sunday morning going to church at Gateway um, when we were just one campus out at McKenzie and I was, I was so scared. And uh, I remember just in the worship going, yes, Lord, I know it's hard. You want me to go to Bible college, don't you? Yes. Okay, I will he I've heard your call, Lord. I will go to Bible college. And so I remember coming home, sitting around the lunch table on a Sunday and going, to tell telling my whole family, I've decided I'm not going to take that job. I'm going to Bible college because that's the holy right thing to do. I remember my dad saying something wise to me. He said, Andrew, I actually think God's wanting to train you and teach you in this season. And so begrudgingly with great fear in my heart, knowing it was really the right thing to do, I actually took the job. I was so thankful for it. I learned so much. You know, when we come up against discomfort, we're forced to make a decision. What are we going to do who are we going to trust? And David identifies this in the next verse. In verse two, he says, how long will you people, now speaking to Israel, how long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false 
God's. See, at the point of decision, when we come up against discomfort, when we walk through the wilderness moment, we have a decision to make, who am I going to trust? Which voice am I going to listen to? And in our age, in our time, another word you can, you can use, uh, uh, David says, seek false gods. We could use the word idols or whatever it is. So often in our context, in our culture, we pursue the idols of the age to get us out of the discomfort. I'd say a massive idol today is distraction. We use distraction to try and get away from discomfort. And we do it in a whole range of different ways. And it is there. I see it in myself so often. We have digital media, particularly. It's just there we can go and we can distract ourselves. We can just dial out. We can watch Netflix. We can watch a movie. We can jump on social media. We can go to news media sites, whatever it is to distract us from the challenges that we're facing. Or we can go shopping. We take that holiday or we buy stuff or whatever it is in order to make us feel good, to make us feel better because at the end of the day, our feelings are what counts. That's what we're told. The idols of our age, the idol of our age in many ways is comfort. To get away from discomfort, we distract ourselves. David identifies this in people. He says, you've gone off and you have turned from the Lord and you've gone to other idols. You are trying to get away from the wilderness moment. So often we want to run away, but we can never fully run away from ourselves. Remember the photo on the beach? The same people in that photo, the same people back at home fighting. (laughs) Wherever you are, there you are. You cannot escape yourself. And David understands this and he says, the decisions that we make in the difficult moments define us. Or to use a technical word, they differentiate us. And David understands this. He goes, at this point of decision, I have an opportunity to differentiate myself from the crowd. I have an opportunity to differentiate myself from every other person who is following idols. And the way I differentiate myself is I turn not away from God, but I turn towards God and I seek His voice. Verse three, we read, Know that the Lord He preaches. Know that the Lord has set apart His faithful servant, set apart His faithful servant for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. This is the secret gift of the wilderness moment. In the wilderness, we have this opportunity to make a decision. And when we turn towards God and not away from God, we differentiate ourselves, we become set apart. David says, I have set my, I am set apart. In this moment, in this time, in this place of disorientation, I am set apart. I'm differentiated from the crowd. I am holy. The wilderness moments refine us. They make us holy, set apart, holy. It's like that refining process of gold. As gold goes through the fire, it's refined. It's only as we go through the fire 
that we are refined, that we are set apart. Over the holidays, I read Mark Sayers' book, A Non-Anxious Presence, and uh, great book, encourage you, you can uh, download it, um, read it, whatever, it's a great book. And he says this, the wilderness thus detox, detoxes us, and he's speaking about the secular age, which is an age of anxiety. We live in a society that ha- isn't just we're individually anxious, but we've got systems of anxiety. Our whole world, our, our world is built, embedded with systems of anxiety everywhere. He says this, the wilderness thus detoxes us from our addiction to approval, which is a slippery slope to the creation of a secular self form to both please and appease the network. The wilderness does the work of differentiation for us. With God, differentiation becomes more than, more than distance from the anxious crowd. It becomes calling, a holy set-apartness, a return to the right order in which God is our primary connection, the foundational relationship of our life around which all other relationships can be reordered. It's the wilderness that actually makes us, that sets us apart. I wonder whether you right now might be walking through this moment of decision. There's something going on in your finances or a relationship or something in your inner world, something at work. Maybe there's a decision that you are right now confronted to make. I think God is speaking to us and David says to us as he writes this psalm, this is an opportunity for you to be made holy. This is an opportunity. Even if you see it as as painful, this is an opportunity for God to differentiate you. David says this is a gift. And the way in which David walks through this decision, I'm gonna give you two antidotes or two ways to walk through the wilderness. And the first one David says is is prayer. Verse one, he starts by saying, hear my prayer. Then in verse three, he says with confidence, the Lord hears me when I call to him. I encourage you at the beginning of this new year, I know it's really simple and we say it all the time and God again has been speaking to me at the beginning of this new year, prayer. Talking with God, walking with God is so key to walking the spiritual journey with vitality and life. However you wanna do it, however, however you're gonna set up, however you're gonna pray, pray, do it. I love what, um, you know, just that simple three things about prayer. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it going. Maybe your takeaway from this morning is again, yes, I just need to talk with God. No matter what's going on in my life, keep it simple, keep it real, keep it going. Firstly, discomfort leads us to decision. And then secondly, we see that David says that pressure leads us to presence. You know, pressure does have the power it is a gift to grow, to embed relationship. You know, one of my favourite uh, books and then a series was made off it, I think I probably said this before as well, is, is Band of Brothers by Stephen Ambrose. Anyone, anyone heard of uh, Band of Brothers? Uh, it's this, um, this book written by Stephen Ambrose, true story about Easy Company who were a parachute uh, um, paramilitary um, company uh, in the Second World War in the, in the US Army. 
And uh, Ambrose just follows their journey from uh, before D-Day right through to victory in Europe. And you see these stories and these personalities and these characters who endure absolute torture and, and horrific circumstances as they, they fight on various fronts throughout the Second World War in Europe. And what you see throughout the journey is you see how friendships, people who are from very different backgrounds, different, uh, different families, different backgrounds, different uh, ethnic cultures come together and under the pressure of fire, under the weight of combat, friendship is forged that lasts a lifetime. Deep, profound love. One of the key leaders uh, in, in an interview in, in, the, in the series, they interview some of the survivors, Captain Winters, um, Richard Winters, they, they interview, and, and here's a, a stern uh, leader. As they interview him, just breaks down in tears at the end as he thinks of the friends and the people that he's walked the journey with years and years beforehand. There is something about pressure that actually forges and forms relationship in a profound way. Yeah, that's probably true for you as well. You think of times where you've, you're obviously not under, the, under the, the, the pressure of combat, but maybe you've gone through seasons of life with people and it's through those moments of those circumstances that actually a, a friendship or relationship is formed. And what David says here is he says, as I walk through the wilderness, as I experience pressure, I am drawn towards God. In fact, I'm drawn close to God. In fact, as I walk through the wilderness, I learn to trust God. Tremble and do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. This orientation towards God, David says, Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. David has chosen in the pressure of life to trust the goodness and the grace of God. God will provide. I will trust him. I trust him. And throughout his life, we see that David has this ability to trust God, to depend on God in the midst of the pressure that he walks through. And you may be sitting here this morning and going, how can I trust that? How can I truly trust God? Maybe, maybe you're here, you've come back to church for a long time or maybe you, you've, got, you've got the questions right now. You're walking through a moment, you're walking through a season where you're asking God, God, where are you? Where are you right now? I'm full of questions, I'm full of doubt, I'm walking through a tough season. Where are you? How can we depend on God? How can we trust on God? That's a really good question. And I don't have a specific answer for you perhaps right now. But what I can do is I can point you to the God who has walked through the wilderness for us. See, we don't, we don't come and we don't sing, we don't worship, we don't believe in a God who is detached and distant. We believe in a God who has actually taken on the Psalms for himself. In Psalm 22, Verse one, another Psalm of David. David writes these words, another Psalm of disorientation. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words are taken by Jesus Christ as he is hung and nailed to a Roman cross. Jesus, God who steps down from heaven to earth and walks amongst, walks amongst us and lives the perfect life and is condemned to death without justice. But he goes there, he knows it because he is dying in our place for our sins. The perfect God is dying for us. He hangs on a cross and he takes the words of David from Psalm 22 and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? He, the psalm goes on, so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. God takes on these words. God goes through disorientation. God dies for us. You might be walking through disorientation right now, or you will walk through disorientation in the months, the years to come. And the thing that we can hold on to is the fact that there is a God who became disoriented for us. There is a God who walked through the wilderness for us. And when we walk through our seasons of wilderness, when we go through pressure, we can look to the God who came close and has showed us his affection and his love by dying for us. That is where I point you. I point you to the God who has died for us the God who has endured much suffering for us, the God who has taken upon himself the sins of the world for us. Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament theologian, says this, the reason the darkness may be faced and lived is that even in the darkness there is one, there is one to address. The one to address is in the darkness but is not simply part of the darkness. Because this one has promised to be in the darkness with us. We find the darkness strangely transformed, not by the power of easy light, but by the power of relentless solidarity. Out of the fear not of that one spoken in the darkness, we are marvelously given new life. We know not how. Jesus has made a way for us. He's made a way for you. We can hold on to him, on his faithfulness. We can trust him because of what he's done. David gives us another key to how we walk through pressure. If prayer was the first one, the second one is worship. He says in verse five, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. It's that picture of Old Testament worship. David chooses, even in the midst of the pressure, to come and worship. Let me encourage you, doing what we did this morning is so important. Gathering together and reorienting every, as we gather, as we lift our eyes, as we declare the greatness of God and what He has done for us, there is something in us that reminds us of why we trust Him. And we celebrated today the presence of God. God is here in our midst. In the midst of the pressure, when we worship, we're reminded of His presence. The gift of worship, whether you sing on tune or not, is that we remind ourselves of the God who walks with us through the fire. And as a result, 
when we know his presence, we receive a peace. I, I received that this morning. As I was worshipping this morning, I just received the peace of God afresh. It's a gift. God's presence gives us peace even in the midst of the wilderness. David finally writes, In peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone. You alone, Lord. No idols, no false gods, no distractions, nothing else. You alone make me dwell in safety. And here's the thing. It's not about the circumstance. David doesn't say, you take me out of the circumstance and, and then I get peace. It's no, 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 God, your presence is with me. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I'm reminded of the disciples in the boat. In the midst of the storm, the peace comes not, not because of their own ability. The peace doesn't come not even because of the circumstance. The peace comes because of the person who's in the boat with them. We can know peace because peace is not a place, it's a person. God promises to walk with us in the midst of every season. There's something about the wilderness that is a gift because it's almost when we walk through the wilderness, that's when peace, that's when His presence becomes so powerful for us. I don't know if you found that. It's in the hard times that, I've become more aware of God's presence. It's in those times that I've become more desperate. Often it's in the wilderness that God works out his purposes in our hearts. There are so many examples in the Bible. Jacob, Israel, the people of Israel, David, as we've read, Paul, Jesus. God uses the wilderness moments to take us deeper with himself. I don't know if you've uh, ever heard of Biosphere 2. Biosphere 2 was built about 30, 40 years ago by the University of Arizona. And uh, it was built, can we have that other picture? Because that looks more epic um, to start with. Uh, there's uh, there's this, uh, this picture, the other one. Um, it's this, it's, it's this, this kind of like a, 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 I didn't know what a biosphere was. Um, but I'm not a scientist, but it was created by the University of Arizona as basically a mini planet. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to uh, see how plant life grows. They kind of created the conditions for, for growth, the conditions for planet Earth. They wanted to make observations about life and how life grows and a whole bunch of other things. And uh, right in the, in the middle of the desert there in Arizona, and one of the things that they discoveries that they made, which was really unexpected, was around trees. Because what they found was the trees within the biosphere would actually grow quicker than what they do in uh, normal, in, in just out in the wild. So they grow quicker, but they didn't mature. And they grow quick that quick, they wouldn't mature, and they'd actually die, they'd collapse on themselves. And so they got to thinking, well, why is this? They seem to be in a great environment for growth, but they don't mature. And the ingredient that they realised that was missing in Biosphere 2 was wind. There was no wind uh, in the biosphere and actually wind is critical for the development and growth of trees. This is what the article said. When plants and trees grow in the wild, the wind constantly keeps them moving. 
This causes a stress in the wooden load-bearing structure of the tree. So to compensate, the tree manages to grow something called the reaction wood or stress wood. This stress wood usually has a different structure in terms of its cellulose and is able to position the tree where it gets the best light or other optimum resources. That is the reason why trees are able to contort towards best light and still survive loads, even in awkward shapes. You ever seen any of those trees? You go, how in the world is that tree even standing? The tree is able to grow in a more solid manner thanks to the stress wood. If there's no wind, like in Biosphere 2, the trees end up being much weaker and aren't able to survive for long. Remember, stress is what makes a tree strong enough to sustain the wear and tear that it'll face later in life. David gives us here and so often in the Psalms a picture of what it looks like to walk with God. And even though We don't like to walk through difficult times. We don't want to be buffeted by the wind. We don't want to walk through the hard moments, the difficult seasons, the wilderness moments. They're actually a gift for us if we can see them. Discomfort leads us to make decisions towards God and pressure leads us towards His presence. And as we walk this journey, as we trust God, even though sometimes we don't enjoy it, God is doing a deeper work in our hearts. I don't know what the wilderness moment is for you right now, whether there's something in your relational world, your emotional world, financial world, professional world, psychological world. But in it all, God is wanting to grow you. He loves you. He's gone there before. He wants to strengthen you so that you can be that strong tree, that developed tree, that robust tree, that differentiated tree, that actually can speak into anxiety and chaos in our city, in our workplace, in our family and bring life and hope and joy because that is what God has called us to be. I wonder whether we can stand. I'm going to get the band to come up. And what we're going to do is we're going to worship for a moment. And as we sing, I just encourage you just to lift your eyes, lift your hearts, bring your life right now, bring your doubts, bring your questions, bring your story, bring your journey, whatever it is that's going on in your world right now. And if all you can do is just say, I trust you. God, I don't understand, I don't know, but I trust you. That's a great start. In a moment, I'd love to pray for a group of people, but I reckon just to start with, come on, let's let's just lift our eyes, lift our hearts. As we sing this song, God, I look to You, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like You do. Make that your prayer right now. Whatever you're walking through, whether you're in that great place, that high place, that low place, or anywhere in between, just choose once again to lift your eyes and say, I trust You, God. Come on, let's sing, let's worship. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.